Leadership is the art of giving people a platform for spreading ideas that work. Welcome to DC Local Leaders, the podcast where we talk to C-suite leaders within the DC area. Our guests share their pathways to success and the important moments that impacted their careers. Lean in as we get the inside scoop on how they are shaping their industries, how they lead, manage, and connect with others. From the sectors of aerospace, defense, tech, IT, and more, this is Local Leaders. Your host has been making meaningful connections with industry leaders for over 15 years. Here's Philip Nathram. Welcome back to the DC Local Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Philip Nathram. If it's your first time checking us out, we really appreciate you being here. Remember to subscribe wherever you're listening and on Instagram at DC Local Leaders and come find me on LinkedIn. I don't want you to miss out on any of our Monday mindsets and new episodes with impactful examples of leadership and mindset. To make it easy, we're going to drop some links below. We want to continue to create value and share these messages of shifting our mindset, achieving our goals, and being a mentor for others to do the same. If you enjoyed this episode or any of our past episodes, please remember to share it with a friend. It'll really help us spread the word. We're also actively seeking partnerships and sponsorships to continue our mission, sharing examples that we can accomplish anything that we work towards with the right mindset and the right mentorship. If you or your company would like to partner with us, please use the links below to connect. Today's episode is with the CTO of Octo Consulting, Sujay Edward. You can immediately hear the fun and the joy in our conversation. He's an incredible person to be around, got a great personality, and there's no secret why people love working on his teams, why he's an outstanding mentor, and why he is able to be the person he is, be that translator that Octo needs to go between technology and business. He shares with us how he coaches his daughter's basketball team, and actually it's coaching basketball that allows him the opportunity to recognize people's strengths and their weaknesses, fill the gaps, build teams around him, and just be effective as a leader. He also shares with us the experience he had being a part of the dot-com boom and bust, losing a job, and what that did for him to be able to rally and turn that around, and how that keeps showing up in his life, how he how he coaches that in the teams that he leads, and what major impact that made, where he was able to draw from the advice of his parents, his entrepreneurial father, they're both immigrants, his mother and his father, what that meant to him to watch them grow up, the stories they would tell, and how that impacted his life, and how he applies those lessons in his everyday life, and showing up in the lives of others. So again, if you're not already following us on Instagram, please find us at DC Local Leaders. Come find me on LinkedIn. I want to connect with each and every one of you. It's Philip Nathram on LinkedIn. Send me a connection request. I want to get to know each and every one of you. And we've got some amazing things coming up in 2022. Make sure you check out our newsletter. Sign up with dclocalleaders.com so you can keep up to date with some of the changes, the new things we're having, the new guests that we're having, the events, and our upcoming app. So let's get into the episode. So. Match it up. We're good. We're yeah. Good. Um, CJ Edward, Octo Consulting. Absolutely. Good to pleasure see- to be here. Yeah. I'm, th- I'm glad you did this. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. Yeah. We're almost matching suits. Listen, this is that type of year, right? Blue yeah. is in. Yeah. So you guys got some big stuff going on downstairs too. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. O Labs is uh, getting set up downstairs. We're going to have. Um, some of the best compute power that you can imagine, you know, and, and if I go a little nerd here for a minute, you know, 15 petaflops of AI ready infrastructure. We have three DGX A100s, a 26 foot planner screen, got all these like goggles and I mean, drones, you name it, it's it's downstairs. So yeah, I'm boosted about it. You could tell, spent a, quite a bit of cash flow on it uh, to get that thing uh, up and running. So I'm excited about uh, our grand opening coming up here in a couple yeah. months. You're gonna be out there for that, right? Yeah, I'll be there. Um, so anyone listening can already tell you're the CTO. Yeah, absolutely. That's listen. just, I mean, no one else would be that passionate. Listen, nerd life, that's what I'm about, Is right? So what, yeah. yeah, let's let's get it in. So yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, what uh, CTO? So let's talk about that for a second. So you're the CTO of Octo Consulting and you've been in the government contracting industry for a while. You've yeah, been around um, some of, you know, our friends from around the Beltway, Salient CRTT, um, others. But, uh, you know, you also coach basketball. Yeah. Right. You're a basketball coach. Did you play basketball? I played, but I was uh, I went to a really great high school uh, and so was not good enough for that team. But, you know, play every week with my buddies, uh, you know, for a number of years and weekend warrior, if you will. Yeah. Where'd you go to high school? I went to DeMatha, DeMatha Catholic. So, you know, national power and basketball and other things as well. So it was uh, 
you get some hurt feelings there. Yeah. You're a good basketball player and you show up on that, that did you, floor. Did you play um, like club ball in college or anything? Yeah, like that? you know, intramural type activities and all this stuff. I got into basketball. Honestly, it, it's really weird. Um, I've always had a passion for it. Always liked it. Uh, the head coach of the team was uh, a guy who was 23 and you need to be 25 to drive the uh, team bus around oh. and I happened to be 25 and I was good friends with him and he said hey listen I need an assistant coach uh, but really he just needed a bus driver so uh, I sat with him for a long time really got a passion for the football sport passion for coaching uh, and then went off on my own and, and coached for a number of years so yeah and are you still coaching now I am still coaching now so um, I coach um, at a really small school before I coached at the varsity level at um, call it a middle prep school um, actually got good enough to get us small like NAIA uh, college offer. It's not a division one, two, three, yeah. right? It's it's below that, if you will. So so I got decent at it. Like people said, hey, this guy actually knows what yeah. he's doing. Let's get coached. Yeah. And you coach now the yeah, so Boys I, and Girls Club. Yeah, I coach uh, uh, a JV girls team uh, now at the school. Uh, and there's a point that I coached uh, varsity boys and, and varsity girls. So exciting experience. A lot of things I've learned from those yeah. uh, those experiences. My daughter happens to be on the JV girls team. So part of the reason why I why I decided to coach. Yeah. Um, and, and JV girls coaches, there aren't a lot of them out there. Most of them want to play, do varsity or do middle school, but JV girls, there's a, there's a need. Yeah. So I dug into that a little bit, you know, because I found there's something consistent about uh, either club sports, team sports, sometimes individual sports. There's several people that I spoke to that did an individual sport like track and field, uh, swimming, but there's something about that environment that translates really well, and it makes perfect sense because you're leading a team, but translates really well into the business environment and understanding people, understanding how to motivate other people and the human condition mm -hmm. and how sometimes, because we've all been there, you do yeah. something like, you, you know, you lose a game or you're not performing to the best of your ability. Our internal voice is probably way worse than an external voice. So having a strong hand of criticism externally is probably not the best way to go. Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting just on the team sport aspect of it. Um, what it's taught me is that um, each of the teams that I've ever coached have been different, right? Mm -hmm. Like different stars, different uh, strengths, different weaknesses that are out there. And I think sometimes what you see is you see coaches or you even see executives, they have a system, they have a way that they want things done and they end up putting that in on an organization or a team and they are surprised that the results that they get aren't as optimal as things they had gotten in the past. And so for me, I look at it and I say, look, from a sports team perspective, if I've got nothing but small, fast people, right? Like press, right? You gotta, you gotta be able to do that. If I've got everything that's big and slow, we'll slow down the, slow down the game, make less possessions in a game. So really understanding what are the strengths and what are the weaknesses of the team? Um, and that is down at the individual level. So when you translate that into the business world and you think about team sports, you really have to say to yourself, you know, what are my strengths and weaknesses? I'm going to hire people that can hide my weaknesses and that I can help them with my strengths. So now we become a more cohesive unit and you start building organizations that way. And that way you can actually achieve some different things. So, uh, you know, you, you hear about this if you're, you know, Calipari or Zabin or, you know, one of these big time coaches, you can have a system and players will conform to your system. But most of us don't have that luxury. So you know, look at the the folks that you have around you and, and the ingredients that you have around you. Really be introspective on yourself and then build a team that can be really strong on your on the strengths that you have as a, as a entity and as a group. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. One hundred percent. Work with the tools that you were given, but still utilize the skill set that you know you have and the methodology you want to use. But what what you have, do you how many people are on your team? Uh, like direct reports or yeah. like uh, direct reports. I have uh, nine direct reports and there are 90 people that work inside of my right. organization. And then the company wise dotted line to me, there's 1300 people inside the business. Right. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, where I was going with that is do you communicate with basketball 
jargon in your presentations with them. I, listen, like when I was young, I used to. I try not to just because the sports analogy is lost on some folks. Yeah. Um, so once in a while, I use a sports analogy. Sometimes I use a kid analogy or family analogy. Sometimes I just don't use analogy. I just, yeah. just explain <laughs> explain yeah. what I need to explain. Um, but yeah, yeah, I don't I try not to just because, again, not everybody played basketball and not everybody related to sports. Right. Yeah. Did you grow up uh, around the So You went to DeMatha in high yeah. school, but did you grow up around this area? Yeah, too? absolutely. I'm, I'm DMV, born and raised, you know, PG County stand up. Yeah. Uh, I live in Moco now. So, you know, hey, I, I've moved up right. and moved up in the world. So it's uh, it's been an amazing journey just being in the area. My friends are from this area. My, my family immigrated here uh, to the U.S. Um, way back before they were married. And so our community is is based in this area and so it's it's this area has been amazing for me so your parents met here yeah they did they did yeah that's always a that's always a good question for you know folks that are brown right like you know ultimately did they marry and they come yeah they they met here my mom immigrated here when she was 18 um my dad a little bit uh older uh but they came here in the late 60s uh separately they had multiple jobs and one of those jobs they happened to uh, you know, meet each other there, fall in love. And, and, you know, here I am. Yeah. Is that, so were they technical people like, like you too? No, you not at all. That? So, I mean, I think what's interesting is my mom, um, she worked for the world bank, but she came here, like I said, when she was 18. So she got her GED when she was here, didn't go through the rest of college, uh, worked at the world bank. She worked at the embassy, Indian embassy, worked at, um, a hotel. She did a bunch of different things and then finally got a job at the world bank and she stayed there for her entire career. My dad, um, you know, he was, is Indian, but lived in Sri Lanka. And so he immigrated here in the late 60s he also worked um at the indian embassy for a little bit he worked at that hotel that's where we met my mom um he worked at the imf uh which is across the street from the world bank yeah. right you know sister agency there and then um he was an entrepreneur so he went out there he uh, you know took some loans took some chances uh you know, uh, did the gas station thing, but he's done a bunch of different types of yeah. um, things while he was uh, while he was alive. So, yeah, yeah. your dad, it, that was one thing that I remember uh, when we first met you kind of sharing your dad was a very entrepreneurial person. He did restaurants. He did a lot of different yeah. things. Do you think what kind of impression do you think that had on you as a younger Younger child, like how many siblings do you have, and what, yeah, what do you remember from being a child? Great, great question. So uh, I have two sisters, um, and so uh, he, for my father, he was a very influential person in my life. Uh, somebody who really kind of impressed upon me, you know, the value of things. He talked in parables and stories, if you will, and he, you know, he drew from the Bible and he drew from the Quran and he drew from like you know history and and you know you name it. Like he he drew from those different experiences to explain stories and different things. Um, and then also himself, he was a really uh, charismatic individual. And so he really did push some of those, those things forward. So I did draw a lot from him. Um, I think um, the one story that kind of came to mind, you know, when I think about like all the stories that he, uh, he told me one of the stories that happened to us, I was senior year in high school taking physics, um, wasn't doing very well in physics, you know, and I was sitting there studying like crazy for the final exam and everything. And he sees me, and he says, oh, man, you know, what are you studying for? And I told him I'm studying for physics. And he knew I was struggling in the class. And so he says, listen, I'll tell you what, um, if you get an A, I'll give you 100 bucks. Like, keep in mind, this is early 90s, like 100 bucks to me, you know, whose monthly allowance was like $10 was like, what? Yeah. $100? Like, you oh, my God. Yeah, it's like 10 CDs. Yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy, right? Like um, what we're going to be able to what I'm going to be able to get with this hundred bucks. And so um, I was like, OK, cool. So I'm like studying. I'm going crazy and 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 working really hard. So uh, anyway, test comes by, goes and pass or whatever. And I'm sitting at the table one day and my dad comes in and he walks past. He's going to his room to get get changed. And he stops and he says, hey, how did the test go? And I said, uh, you know, I didn't do as well. I got a C on it. And so he says, oh, OK. And he starts. uh walking past me, right? Like, you know, and I'm like, hey, hey, Appa. And you know, that's how I call my father, Appa. Uh, and he turns around, he says, yeah. And I said, hey, you know, listen, I know I didn't, you know, get an A in the test, but I worked really, really hard. And I don't know if you remember the Cosby Show episode where Theo got a hard C, right? And, and Dr. Huxtable was like excited about that hard C that he got. And so, you know, seen the episode and I was like, right. oh, you know, let me ask him. So, so I said, Hey, you know, I, I work really hard and you know, while it's not a, an A, it's a hard C, hard C. like, you know, I work really hard for it. And he said, 
Sujima, ma means like a term of endearment. He says, Sujima, that might be the dumbest thing you've ever said to me in your entire life. And I'm like looking at him shocked. I just saw this on NBC. Like, hey, you got a hard safe, heartwarming story. And and he's telling me that's the dumbest thing he's heard in his life. And I'm so I I kind of like look at him with this confused look and he says, I don't pay for effort. I pay for results. Mm. And I was like, whoa, you know, and it hit me. I was like, oh man, this is cold blooded. So off he goes, he gets changed. And it took me years to really understand what he meant by that. And and what I, what I look at and I, I think about what does it take to be successful? And I put that in quotes, like successful. What does it take to arrive? There's lots of failures along the way. Mm -hmm. There's lots of bumps and bruises. And when you look at the path from where you are today to success, the road is filled with people that quit along the way. Mm-hmm. And so what he was trying to drive into me was like, don't be satisfied with just giving a good effort. Like be satisfied when you get to the accomplishment and the goal you set for yourself. And so when you think about like that as like a mantra and you say to yourself like, man, you know, yeah, this was really, really hard, but I'm not at my goal yet. So I'm just going to keep working. Um, it is an incredible amount of drive to get to that that point. And that's with everything. I try to read that to my own kids. We'll see yeah. if it works, uh, works or not. You no, know. but that's all, like, you know, and you were 18 when you got that first. Did you recognize that was happening at the time? Or at the time, I'm sure you were upset. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, yeah, listen. Uh, when did it click for you that this is what I learned? Like, where did you first see that represent itself in your life? Like, if someone's listening and they want to figure out, like, yeah, how do they apply that's, that's, that's a great, great question. I think, I didn't really appreciate like the full message of that probably until I was in my thirties. Now, what I will tell you though, is that, that echo that I heard from that moment at that moment, I was like, man, this is like messed up. Right. And, and listen, I I don't know about your background, but my background, like everything was rewarded with money, right? Like you got good grades, you got money, you got bad grades. They, they took money from you. Right. You know, so uh, birthday gifts were money, right? Like it was, it was a culture around. So I just looked at it and said, nah, he's just, you know, being a little stingy with it. And, you know, I didn't accomplish whatever, you know, but keep in mind at that point, as I reflect back on it, here's a guy with a 10th grade education at that point was running, you know, eight successful small businesses throughout the DC metro area. And he was doing it because like he had this hustle and grind to be able to accomplish Mm -hmm. a certain thing. So when I reflect back on it, I think about, you know, a job that I got laid off from, right? Dot com exploded and yeah. and we we lost our work. So I, I reflect back on that like, hey, that was just a part of the journey to end up with some of the success criteria that I wanted. Or, you know, an exam in college that maybe I didn't do as well on. Like that was just a bump in the road to be able to help me with my journey. So I don't think I truly appreciate it till I was in my thirties. But as I reflected back on it, that that echo I heard throughout my entire life. And I still hear it today. Yeah. What dot com were you involved with? Um, it was great. It was a, a company called iFinance. Um, and what they had was they had a way for you to purchase things, but pay for it in installments. Consider it like at the time, I, mean, I don't know if you, everybody remembers and people are probably too well off to remember this, but layaway was a big thing, right. you know, growing up. And so um, this was like a layaway, but for dot coms to do it. And so what happened ultimately, which blew up that company was, you know, Visa and all these other big companies like Best Buy, they started saying, why would I, you know, outsource this to some other company, I can underwrite my own uh, credit. And so eventually it went away, but it was a great idea. It was a great thought. So that's around the, so that that's sort of when they started doing their own store credit cards and allowing yeah, you to yeah, do that. A, yeah, absolutely. And yeah. that unfortunately put you guys out of business. Yeah, like, listen, I, yeah. I was young what, and excited. What were time. you doing for that company at the time? Um, I was doing tech, right? So I was uh, doing some development work on that, some testing work. Um, we did, a, we all wore lots of different hats inside that type of environment. I am 45. I'll be 46. No, how old are you then? Oh, then. Uh, must have been mid twenties time. Mid twenties. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Were you always a tech person? Like when you went to college? No. So I went to college to be a chemistry major. Look, you where'd you go? Uh, Maryland. So being Brown, like you, you yeah. got to go to the medical route. Right. You, you got to be a doctor. Out, right. Doctor, lawyer, or failure. Yeah. You so what you want to be. <laughs> exactly. Like you got three. Cho- we'll tolerate you being an engineer. Yeah. But. Exactly. And and I think uh, um, one of my buddies uh, who was a chemical engineer, he got into tech and and he heard that I had an interest in it. So hooked me up and. 
uh, took me under his wing. And, and so I owe him a lot of credit for showing me a different path mm -hmm. that was out there. And so um, ever since then, you know, the interest that I've had in technology, you know, and the, the interest that I've had in really building amazing things, uh, uh, my passion and energy has come out through that. So you were with this company for a couple of years, four or five years before the dot com. Yeah. Oh, no, the dot com. We lasted, I think, uh, probably less than a year, probably 11 oh, okay. months. So it was it was a time where everybody was getting funded their ideas. Mm -hmm. And so we were getting these things. And then, you know, the, the collapse of that the dot com bubble. Right. You know, it was that initial bubble. So what did you do at that time? How did you respond to that? Like you just lost your job. You're yeah. 20 something. You living in an apartment or living at home? Yeah. Or? Yeah. Living in an apartment. Um, actually, so what was crazy was I was looking to buy my first house. Right. And so real estate agent, you know, all that good stuff. Um, I was working downtown uh, D.C. On, on K Street there and I just take the metro in and out. So I, I remember taking the Metro out. Um, at the time I was dating my girlfriend. She's now my wife and I call her on the way and I tell her, you know, what's, what's happened. And she's like, Oh, okay. You, you want me to pick you up from the Metro? I was like, yeah, can you pick me up? So she comes over to pick me up. We go to KFC and we have honey barbecue wings. Uh, I look, I, I'm a big guy, right? Like right, I like right. to eat. So ate my sorrow there for, you know, a day. And then I said, look, look at the end of the day, this is, I want to get a house. I want to get married. I want to have kids. These are the goals that I want to have. Thinking about what my father talked about before. I'm like, this is the bump in the road. So I started applying for jobs and, and ended up getting a job pretty quick, um, mm -hmm. you know, in the government sector. And so, um, you know, amazing experience. Uh, you know, I learned a lot from that moment. Um, I was caught off blind. I was blindsided. I was young. I didn't understand you know, the economics of it all. But um, yeah, no, it was great. It was a good experience. Honey barbecue wings, though, brought yeah, me back. That brought you back? Yeah, absolutely. So, and when did you meet, when did you meet your wife? You uh, mid-20s, we it sounds like? Yeah, actually, I met her, you know, when we were young. We were uh, late teens. Oh, wow. Yeah, early in college. Uh, that's when I met her. So, yeah, yeah, we've been together forever. And you have how many kids? Four kids. Yeah, Four kids. yeah, yeah. What do you think? And how old are they? Uh, my eldest is 14, 11, 7, and then 3. Yeah. yeah so, planning, planning is not one of my strengths. So, I hire people that can plan really well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Four kids. Wow. Four kids with that type of spread, you know? Right. Yeah. Just when you're out of diapers, they pull you back into diapers. Right. Yeah. What, the, I mean, what kind of impact do you, so being at a, a CTO level, I want to get back to um, a little bit of the story behind how you got to where you are. Uh, I mean, we're, we're, we're on that path, but you know, why, why a CTO? Why did you keep trying to get additional responsibility? And then, you know, you're you're in that entrepreneur uh, position, right? Where you're you know you're you're part of the leadership of a group, but you've got this great influence from your dad and all this experience. Why not try to do something on your own? Yeah. Um. So I you know I want to talk to you a little bit about that, but then I I feel like you've got to be making a huge impact on your daughters, on your kids. Yeah, absolutely. Position that you're yeah. In. So you know from the path perspective, I think um, look at at the end of the day, I just wanted to do amazing tech. And what I realized early on in my career is that business people and mission people and people that are focused in on, you know, operating on the mission, they don't really care about the tech. They really just want to help them reach their business goals. So if you're uh, working for National Cancer Institute, at the end of the day, they don't care about the tech. They want to cure cancer, right? Mm -hmm. If you're working for a DOD, you know, they want to um, they don't care about the tech. They want to protect, protect war fighters. Right. So each of these missions are important. And if you're working for a commercial company, you know, at the end of the day, they're selling ads or selling, you know, some sort of product or doing. So they don't really care about the tech. Um, and so what I found a skill in was being able to articulate to a business person why the tech was important. I could be an advocate for all of us technologists that are get there um, together. So as I grew in my career and my responsibility, what I really understood was um, making sure that technologists understood the impact on business and then the business understood the impact on technology. And so throughout my career, um, you know, just being able to build those types of things and acquire some other skills from budgeting and planning and those types of things along the way um, has elevated me to this position. So when I look at my my seat now as a CTO, I really look at myself as a servant leader in making sure the technologists in the company um, really get the tools and the techniques and everything they need so they can deliver against the mission. And then, you know, working with the business and my peers, ensuring that the technologists have 
uh, a seat at the table, right? And making sure they're treated as first class citizens. And so um, that's been a unique experience for me on, on the uh, not doing it on yourself side. I think that comes a little bit on the team teamwork side. Mm-hmm. I do feel like um, people that have accomplished great things in their lives. Um, I wonder how much they have accomplished by themselves and how much more they could accomplish with a bunch of people around them, right? That have similar mindsets and wanting to grow and be able to do those things. So here at Octo, one of the most amazing things is, you know, we have an amazing group of um, leaders, not just at the, you know, in title, but just in 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 their roles or their operations or their skill sets. Um, and so it's a type of place where I am constantly learning from other people and I feel like people are learning from me as well. So um, it's at that team team experience. And the last the last question you asked was the impact on the kids. Um, yeah, no, it's definitely each of the kids are different, though, too. Like, uh, you know, anybody that's listening to this, they they understand like each kid isn't like a cookie cutter. So the same thing I said in the beginning where you have a system in place just because it worked for your one kid. It's not going to necessarily work for your other kids. So my thing is looking at each of my kids individually and saying, you know, what are their strengths? How can I help them really accentuate those strengths to build confidence? And what are those weaknesses? What are those things they need to to work on? And how do I help them make those weaknesses, you know, less um, out there? There's some attributes everybody needs to have, but uh, for the most part, that's how I think about things. Yeah. Which uh, which one of your kids is the toughest toughest to uh, to kind of wrangle? Oh man, listen, I, I tell everybody, I'm like, listen, my my eldest was an angel, right? And, you know, I was like, hey, you, she was amazing, was easy, it, it convinced us to have another kid. My my second kid is a son. Um, she uh, or he um, um, was tough, but like not to the point where I was like losing sleep tough. My third, I call him Genghis Khan because he'll invade your country. Like, you know, he's ready to fight and ready to wrestle, ready to like make a mess. And I thought that was hard until I had my fourth, my daughter, and I call her Thanos. And for all the Marvel fans out there, you know, snap in a snap, she will tear down half the universe. And uh, she she is a lot. Um, and I don't know if I'm just getting older, you know? Well, I was I was just, just doing that math. They're progressively getting hard, like harder. Oh, yeah. Like, uh, listen, I don't know if it's if it's them getting harder or me getting lazier. Yeah, right? you're just like, I can't deal with this. Yeah, thing. yeah. So I, I don't know what the answer there is, but um, I, I do think each of them have different personalities, different ways. I'm just hoping to give them a platform that they can be uh, successful in whatever they feel success is going to yeah. look like at the end. Do you try not to talk about work and stuff when you're at home? Or I mean, you're probably doing a fair amount of work from home. They see you doing that. They hear the conversations you're having. Um, you know, it'd be different. Like if you were a front end alignment mechanic or something, right? Yeah. Having different conversations. That's got to wear off on them somehow. Like, I mean. Yeah. Yeah. I think they, they see that. I think, you know, honestly, kids don't care what you do for a living right they 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 just want you to be present so i do make an effort to make it to all their games all their concerts um i'm trying to help them with their homework at night although the older ones are getting too smart for me and i'm like having a youtube at Khan academy uh if if people aren't using that to uh help with their kids homework i'm they're smarter than i am so um you know so i i do try to do all those types of things with them try to be present um, you know, watch movies with them, do, do the things, the activities they like to do. Um, I try to do with them. And then from a work perspective, you know, they ask things from time to time. Um, my, my younger ones, uh, ask, what do I do? Whereas my older ones, uh, want to understand a little bit more of the nuance. So, you know, I share with them the information and answer their questions. I can also mm-hmm. see when they get bored and they're yeah. like, ah, ask the wrong question to daddy. Right. Like, let's move on. You know? Yeah. I just wanted SpaghettiOs. Right. What, um, what kind of stuff are you doing to work on yourself to keep managing the, the, the stress, but it's not even just about stress, just being the, the, the individual person you need to be, to be a CTO, a coach, a father, a husband, and all these things. Like what, what's your average day look like? You have a morning routine. Are you doing, are you yeah. work? Cause yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, that's a good. Question. I, I know most folks that are like in my position are like highly organized. You know, they get up mm-hmm. at six in the morning and they do this and they do that. And they're, they're off. I am a little bit different in that, in that sense. Um, 
I do try to look at my day the night before just to understand what's going to happen the next day. Do I got to wear a suit or can I wear a t-shirt? Am I right. wearing my baseball hat? Do I have to shave? You know, whatever those types of things are. Um, you know, making sure I've got that that uh, plan in place. Um, but the mornings usually start out with, you know, making sure the kids are ready, get ready to school. Either I'll drop them off or my wife will drop them off. And then, you know, I'll do, do my normal uh, work routine, you know, whatever that is, um, to work on myself though. I do try to carve out, um, two things. I think one is, first of all, I live in that moment. So if I'm at a work meeting, I am present inside that work meeting. I'm focused. I'm trying to lock into that. I'm not trying to be distracted by other things. If I'm in my kid's ball game, try not to do any work or any of those types of things. I'm like focused in on, on the ball game, videotaping, you know, showing my kids afterwards, like, you see where you missed this defender? Uh, you know, um, you know, doing that type of dad stuff. If, if I'm, you know, having dinner with my wife, right. Like focus in on like her and having a conversation. So I really do try to live in the moment. Um, I do try to carve out a little bit of time for myself. Um, that may not be like a workout. I know you do the cold shower yeah. thing. Yeah. yeah. Like I don't, I, I still don't know. I tried to do that by the way. Did I, you? I, I, listen, how long did you, what did you talk to me? Like, what was the process? What did you do? I, I said, listen, Phil, Phil does this cold shower thing. Yeah. Let me, let me try this cold shower thing. So I turned that thing down. Yeah. And I turned it right back right off. Back. <laughs> I was like, man, I do not know. Right. But just think about it. You made it, what, one or two seconds that yeah, day. Yeah. Now, if you did it the next day, you might make it three. Yeah. And then by the end of the week, you might get a whole 30 seconds in there. Before you know it, you got a minute of a cold shower in you. Yeah. I, right? Hey, and listen. Chipping away at it. And, uh, you know, I'll tell you, every single time I do it, I never want to do it, but I do it anyway. Yeah. Because no matter what, at some point throughout the day, throughout my week, there's going to come a time where I have to do something I don't want to do. And it's never as cold as I thought it was going to be. So the narrative that I have running in my mind is never actually representative of reality. It's always different, right? And so yeah. I want to keep reinforcing that, that thought. And I, I actually, you know, you're, you're talking about being present in all of your different, um, you know, your responsibilities, wherever you are. How, how do you do that? Like, are you, is there something you're doing to train your mind to be that way? Are you purposely turning off your phone when you're at a work event? I, so you're only yeah. there? No, or? no, I, I don't turn off my phone, but I am listening. Um, just, I try to listen intently. Right. Yeah. Um, I, if, if somebody, if you're going to be somewhere, right. Why be there half halfway? Right. Like right. go do something else. Right. Be focused in on that moment, you know, and for your kids, I use this as an example. Um, I, the other day I, I drove up, my kid was at practice and I came to pick him up and I came up like 15 minutes early. And as soon as I pull my car up, my kid sees me, like gives me a wave and continues it with practice. He recognized right as soon as I pulled in. So they, they know when you're like engaged or not engaged and, mm. and things like that. Same thing with your spouse or, you know, loved ones, your family, your friends, your coworkers, everybody knows, right? They can see the glaze in the eye when they, people aren't interested. So I don't want, I don't want me, if I'm saying something important, if I'm out here, I don't want that response from anybody else. Why would I give them that response? So being present inside that moment, I just, it's, I think it's just part of the, the ethos of, mm -hmm. you know, who I am, right. You know, have fun. That's the other thing I think is big. Um, you know, at the end of the day, for most of us in our day-to-day -day lives, the stresses that are there, um, you know, are important. Like we have to take things that are important are important, but sometimes we build these things up. Like, you know, the plant's going to melt down. Like, right. it, like be focused and, and, and you could take that time to really have that energy. And then for myself, I do try to take a little bit of time. I usually have like the TV run in. Mm -hmm. I'd usually have like uh, you know, a game on my phone or something like that, maybe 20 minutes or so. And we're at the end of the day, I'm just vegging out. Um, and then I go to bed or I sit out on my, uh, my porch and just, just relax for 20 minutes and then come back in just to decompress Yeah, at, at different times. Yeah. That's good stuff. Um, you know, so, so all those things that you mentioned earlier about all the skill sets that you were rounding out to become a CTO, what were some of those, what were the impact of some of those, right? The budgeting and how did you get those? Did you volunteer for that sort of yeah. responsibility or take classes? You train, you got mentors like, yeah, I, th I think, you know, first of all, I would volunteer a lot. I think, you know, for people listening to this as they um, want to go up inside the corporate uh, corporate ladder and they want to go um, to do different things. Um, there are tons of things inside of every company that aren't getting done. 
right? I mean, everybody looks at it and you look at the biggest companies in the world and you're like, they have everything. I'm like, no, 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 they they don't. So look inside your department, look inside your group to see something that's not getting done and saying, hey, I wanna, I wanna try that, I wanna take that on. What you'll find is very, very quickly as you take on these uh, breaths of responsibilities is that you will have a bigger appreciation for a, an entire organization. You'll have uh, more depth. So for me, I started out, I was doing tech. I saw there was like issues inside of like software testing. So I wanted to do that. And so I added that to my, and then I saw like the CM process, configuration management process wasn't there. So I started doing that as well. And then I was like, oh, but at the end of the day, the users are the most important people. And so I wanted to make sure the help desk had the information they need. So I started doing that. And then before you knew it, I had like this, this ecosystem of, of technology and software products and how they get built. Um, on the budgeting side, you know, at the end of the day, somebody says, well, okay, you now are in charge of these four groups, like how much? So all of a sudden I'm like, do you have a template? You know, yeah. and luckily most of the organizations have a template and then I'm working with a finance person to really understand what goes into this template. And you just learn over time. Um, I haven't been a great traditional learner where I, you know, sit in a classroom and absorb the information and then I know exactly how to execute it. I know there's a lot of people that are like that. I am much more of a, let's just jump in the pool and figure out how to swim, you know, yeah. kind of guy. Well, but you're asking for help too. That seems like it's a big skill set of yours is to be able to ask for help. And also it sounds like to receive the help when it's given. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. People that know everything. I'm like, well, then you know everything then. Right. Yeah. Cool. Wikipedia yourself. Right. Like <laughs> for me, I'm like, I know what I'm strong at. I know what I'm weak at. I know what I want to improve at. And so it is uh, finding those people that have those strengths and my weaknesses. I, I am happy to take that advice and happy yeah. to take that help. I find that's probably a tough thing for some of the younger folks. And it sounds like I know you guys do a good job of, of it here at Octo and, it, and you've been in environments and cultures within companies that were OK with you not knowing and asking questions. You know, sometimes when we're younger, we might be more inclined to not bring up the things we don't know for fear of what will you think about me and whether or not I should be here or I do well at the thing that I do. Mm -hmm. um, did you ever kind of have that feeling or do you, what do you do to try to remove that sort of environment or atmosphere from your team? I think um, two things. One is it's, it's, I've purposely built the team that I have now to have the strengths that they have and the weaknesses they have and have complementary pieces. So, you know, when you have, for me, I have opinionated technologists, it's amazing to be in that environment, but the same token, opinionated technologists are opinionated, right? <laughs> and so um, sometimes it's breaking down to people, explaining like when they don't see eye to eye on things, I'm like, they don't, it's not that they don't see eye to eye, it's just that you need to be able to give your information in a consumable format for this person to use their strengths with. And so it's that complimentary. I think for for young people that get nervous around it, I, you know, nobody knows everything. Right. So mm -hmm. and for us in tech, tech changes so fast, it's impossible to know everything. So consume as much information as you can. The other thing I, I advise my team on, um, it's an impo it's impossible to have an opinion about everything. And so what I try to explain to folks is like, if you, if this is one thing that's core to you, you have three, five, 10 things that are core to you are absolutely fight on a hill, die on a hill for it, you know, really emphasize those things. But these other things that somebody asks you, like, if you don't have an opinion, don't have an opinion. Think about it. Like when you're young, somebody says, Hey, you want to go get something to eat? And you're like, yeah. And they say, where do you want to go to eat? And you're like, I don't care. Right. Yeah. Like you don't care. You're you just want to be in the company of somebody else to get something to eat. So think about that same way as people ask you on opinions on, you know, today with all the talking heads that are out there, everybody wants an opinion and that's what they get paid for. And I get it right. It's a sport and it, they're selling advertisement. They're doing all kinds of stuff. I understand that. But how do you have an opinion about every single topic and every single thing? It's, well, yeah. And that's the thing. The human brain, we have decision fatigue is a thing. We have a finite number of decisions that we can make every day. And if we're, you know, if you're trying to, I mean, if you're exhausting that on a daily basis, yeah, that's another reason why, like, yeah, it's like, what do you want to do? I don't know. I just, I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to make one more decision. Yeah, kind of absolutely. Thing. But it's like, yeah, you're, you're, you're being very, you're making decisions on the things that you, you're speaking about the things that you have expertise on. Yeah. Right. It's the same reason why, you know, you probably wouldn't go to your dentist for accounting advice. That's, I mean, he probably is good at it, but like, why not go get an accountant? accountant. Like, you know, that kind of thing. 
Um, 100% agree. 100% agree. And then I think that clears out a lot of the anxiety and fear of like, what if I don't know the right answer to this thing? It's like, that's not the thing I talk about. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, look, sitting in the seat, I get to sit in. There's a lot of decisions that come down to, to me. Um, and when they come to me, though, if it's a decision that somebody on my team has an expert on it, as an expert on it, I ask them, what is the decision we should make? Right. And they, you know, using their expertise, their background, all of the things that they focus on, they they tell me this is the best, you know, option to go with. And so that's great. I, I want to have that. There's other things that, you know, we have an amazing CFO. So if he says we're going to go do this, that and that for accounting purposes, I'm going to argue with them. No, like tell me what I need to do to support your vision. Right. So, right. um you know, all of those types of decisions that, that, that need to be made. And that's with everything, you know, from, you know, your home to your family, to your friends, all of these types of things, you don't have to have an opinion on every single thing. Yeah. Have an opinion on the things that matter to you. Have you ever, you know, looking back, I mean, you've, you know, you're still young, but you've had, you know, a lot, a lot of different responsibilities. <laughs> I feel like that was a little bit of a backhanded guy. No, you're young, but not, listen, well, I feel like I got you know, all this hair. I, you know? <laughs> I heard myself saying what I was about to ask you, but like, um, no, I mean, just you ever look back and like, is there, so I call it the jumping off point, but it can be described a couple different ways. Um, you know, a moment in time where you couldn't keep doing what you were doing, but you were uncertain of what to do next, right? Maybe you didn't have all the channels you just described to go pool from and get that information. Um, and you just had to make a decision or it, maybe it was a, a moment in time where another way to look at this is, you know, something really bad happened yeah. or at the time you called it bad because it was less than desirable to you at the time. Mm. You look back and now you're incredibly grateful for that experience because without it, you wouldn't be who you are today. Forget about where you happen to be in terms of like your, your business and everything else. Mm. But the person that Sujay gets to yeah, be yeah. wouldn't be the person Sujay gets to be without that experience. Yeah. You know, I, I, I wish there was like one moment in time that I could like point to, and I don't have that, that moment. What I, what I think there are for me is there's these little things that have changed my behavior, uh, throughout time and made me into the man that I am today and helped me be the leader that I am today. And so, um, it's it's these things that um, have gone through that process that helped me accomplish that. Now, what I will tell you that is slightly different about me is that I'm grateful for where I am today. And I think that's really hard for some folks. Some folks, whether you are in you're 21 years old, like being grateful for where you're at at 21 is is crazy to me, right? Like, you know, you end up thinking like, oh, I've got so much more to go. So if you're living in the moment and you're grateful for what you have, it is really easy to continue to build on it. So I talked about like being laid off, right? Having honey barbecue wings, it's vivid memory, by the way, just, yeah, you know, they never taste the same, by the way. Now, if you go get the honey barbecue wings yeah, uh, then now, they did in the 90s. yeah, they, I don't know if it's did in the nineties or just the moment in my life that I just needed to pick me up and those things right. were just really yeah. amazing. So, um, but grateful for the things that have happened to me throughout my life and, and, and having the opportunity. So even when I lost my job, you know, I was grateful that I had a skill set that I knew I could go find another job. I was down for a day. Right. But grateful for that opportunity. Um, I was grateful for um, just the different things that I've had. You know, my parents didn't go to college, but they were able to convince me to go and help me to go through that process and so forth. So I'm grateful for that, that experience I have. I'm grateful for the job I have. I'm grateful for, you know, the bosses I've had, the good ones and the bad ones, you know, over, over life. So I, I just, when you look at that type of, gratefulness uh, on the different opportunities, whether they're good or bad, it really does help you uh, propel yourself forward. Um, I also look at it when I think about, you know, parents coming here to the U.S. I don't know if people know this, but, you know, folks that immigrated way back then, they were only allowed to bring seven dollars. Yeah, seven dollars. Yeah. Seven bucks. I mean, think about that. Coming to a strange country where you might know three or four people, you know, with seven dollars in your pocket um, and having to survive. And so with my mom, you know, got her GED here, right? So she's not coming, didn't know English, by the way, when she came. Uh, my dad spoke some English, but not much, right? You know, they were speaking different languages where they were at. So coming here and then having to learn um, uh, with not much money and, you know, trying to figure it out. And you've got like 60 days to go figure it out get a job, get two jobs, three jobs, whatever you need to do to put some money together to, 
you know, get, in a, get an apartment, get a place. So um, I, when I think about that, what they had to go through, I'm like, what, what do I have to complain about? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I got an education, I speak the language, I can write, I know I have skills. Like ultimately, yeah. nobody's counting on me either. Like my kids are counting on me, but you know, they're, they're gonna be doing, doing all right, you know? So yeah. anyway, it's well, a gratefulness. Yeah, yeah, gratitude is such a powerful tool and being able to reframe a lot of those things is important because you look at, you know, what you call a struggle. Like we, we're doing pretty, you're doing okay. Oh yeah. You have an opportunity and it, it helps right size that ego and the vulnerability that we may feel in that, that moment. Right. You know, it's like we can, we can be selfish at times to think like this is happening to me, but a lot of times it's, you know, yeah, this could be the greatest event that. Yeah. That and, and look, everything that's going it everything that's worth accomplishing is hard yeah it's supposed to be hard otherwise everybody do it like yeah. i mean legitimately it's supposed to be hard and so when you think about like uh you know you've used like a youtuber right as and you're like oh wow that person's so successful they got so lucky no listen whether you agree with it or don't agree with it there was a grind that they had to go yeah. through to get to that level of success if you want to look at you know a politician or uh you know a person that's a mechanic like there was a struggle that people had to do to get to that point in that you know career so if you have a gratitude error if you know you're supposed to fail along the way and you're going to keep getting back up and keep going forward like it's a it's an easy process yeah right? yeah no i love that i love that and we can be grateful for so many things that you know our hands and feet work we're fully clothed yep you know we slept inside not outside yep you know i purposely choose to use cold water but i have hot water yeah you know that kind of thing um you know so all of this added up i mean what are some of the th- how are you able to apply this with octo like what are you guys working on and i know you have this team of nine the core team of nine decentralized command that makes yeah. sense right you have so many people here but you know, how are you influencing Octo now? And what are you guys working on? What are you guys doing? Yeah, no, we're working on a lot of great things. I think, you know, the big thing that we're focusing on is what I said earlier around making sure the business people or the mission people reach their mission through tech. And so we had, we serve a lot of great missions here. Um, I think uh, the technologists that we've been able to bring together aren't just techies, right? They have backgrounds um, in government or they have backgrounds, you know, working on the front lines of some of these different issues and challenges that um, that the federal government is taking on. And so for what we are, we are positioned now with amazing technologists amazing uh, folks. We have the uh, mission folks that are embedded together with that. So we really have that subject matter expertise and really understanding what's going to happen there. Um, And then the third thing is we have the capital to be able to build some next generation type tools. So I talked about the lab uh, downstairs and all that great stuff that we're going to be building out. Um, What I'm really excited about is it's really going to get fielded. This stuff isn't going to sit on a shelf somewhere. It's going to get fielded and used to help people really meet their uh, mission objective. So, um, you know, we're focused in on artificial intelligence, obviously. Uh, we've been in agile DevSecOps uh, industry for a long, long time. Uh, cloud, cyber, and data. Um, the data mesh and the data, common data fabric and the things that we're working on in that area, I think are going to revolutionize how federal folks really access uh, access data. So um, lots of great uh, tech coming soon. Uh, yeah. You know, people will be able to see a lot of that type of stuff. And, and some of our customers are already leveraging it. Yeah. And so and so the the OLAB, what what is that going to be for? Is that to like defense folks can come in and play with the headsets that because you guys are doing. Yeah, something we have that, a, right? we're doing a lot of work with the HoloLens and the ATAC devices. Um, I, I'd say it's more than just the defense market. What I think is um, two things. One is um, I have this saying, I say imagination suck. And so um, people often look at the same, um, their problems and they come up with the same types of solutions that are there. And so if you look at it like modernization efforts, a lot of times you'll have a green screen and I'll go to a web format of the green screen, but that's not how we interact. Like we interact differently now. Right. And so, um, 
what we want to be able to do inside this environment is using our centers of excellence, using our technologists, using our subject matter expertise to have the government come in and pair with us to actually build these products that will help with that front line. So we do have a very strong defense mission uh, group here, but that's about 50% of our business. The other 50% is in the civilian market. So, you know, folks like, um, Folks that are worried about immigration, like there are different types of things we can display and show inside this environment that can revolutionize their environments there. So, uh, again, getting people out of that like sucky imagination and really focused on the art of the possible that's out there is is what we're going to focus in on that environment. The other thing is, too, I think uh, world class technical talent can go anywhere in the world. Like people don't realize that there aren't that many um, engineers that are in the United States that are citizens that can get cleared and so forth, right? And you're competing on a global market for them. You're competing with Silicon Valley, you're competing with India and China, you're competing with a lot of different people that need this technical talent. And so we feel like technical talent wants to come somewhere where they're not just selling ads, You know, they're not just, you know, Netflix goes down. It's a bad day. They really want to make an impact on human lives. They want to go out there and help cure cancer. They want to go out there and keep warfighters safe. They want to go out there and help with substance abuse and mental health. They want to go do all these types of efforts, but their skills are around tech. So the idea is to bring this environment together. So these amazing technologists, this amazing subject matter expertise, our government clients can all partner together to really um, handle these next generation solutions. Yeah. That's awesome. So, so anyone who's graduating VTech, uh, Maryland, you know, I don't want to start naming names. I'm going to forget yeah, somebody, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, George Mason. Yeah, go, go through all the lists. UVA, you know, yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, I've yeah, got to yeah, like yeah, make sure yeah, I don't yeah. upset any of our friends. Um, if they want to, if they like anything you said and they want to work for Octo, what do they do? How do they get in touch? Yeah. So listen, we are always looking for talent, you know, and that's not just talent that's coming out of um, out of school, out of but, school like, but like, yeah. you know, uh, people that are in the middle of career, people that are senior in their career, uh, we're always looking for that technical talent, um, here. I'd say the best way is honestly go to the website and, and, and going through that. We do run a really good intern program, um, that one of my, one of my guys runs. Um, and so they will get a lot of exposure in that, but going through the website is going to be the easiest way, um, to connect. Um, and they can always shoot me a note on LinkedIn to, you know, I'm, I'm yeah. public out there. You can just connect with me and, and I'll get you to the right, right folks. Yeah. And you guys, you have offices everywhere, right? Yeah. Uh, Arizona. I know you got one yeah. going on out there. We have uh, Phoenix, Colorado, Boston, and then we have several here in the, the in, DC area. Yeah, in, the, in the area. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this has been great. I'm really appreciate you sitting down and chatting with us. Listen, I appreciate you yeah. coming all the way out here and, and having a great conversation, looking good in your blue suit. Yeah. So, um, awesome. you know, with all your hair and all that good stuff too. So anyway, I appreciate Thanks it. for listening to DC Local Leaders. We'd love to connect with you. Find us on LinkedIn and YouTube by searching DC Local Leaders on Instagram at DC Local Leaders or our website, dclocalleaders.com. You can find the podcast on Spotify, iTunes, Google, or wherever you find great podcasts. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Until next time.